get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome everybody, TSN Hockey Analytics, getting ready to roll here on TSN 1050 Toronto, the iHeartRadio app, TSN 1050.ca, on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81, and also, you can watch the show right now on Twitch, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive, and comment there, great show, there there are endless storylines today. Endless storylines. The Columbus Blue Jackets, the Maple Leafs, the Islanders. We're going to roll through all of it. Kicking off with Travis Yost of TSN.ca in just a moment. Gus Katsaros, Rotoworld Analytics columnist and McKean's hockey analyst. In about 15 minutes time, then one of the founding fathers, one of the originals here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Scott Cullen from The Athletic and the Hockey News returns in a half hour. And then to wrap it up, Johnny Avello from DraftKings, their sports book director. Talking about some trends in these playoffs and as the series go the changes the trends what he's seeing so some interesting gambling stuff so if you're looking to to lay down a bit of coin in these nhl playoffs that's where you want to listen to johnny avell but let's get to the man right now it's travis yost travis how are you i'm doing good you know i it's it's awesome that we got a sportsbook director on the show i would be fascinated to hear um how the the changes they've made over the last five ten years i when i looked at the series lines when they came out this week st louis was a pretty decent favorite despite being the road team i don't think they would have been a favorite from the betting market perspective five seven years ago but i think the sports books have really caught up here yeah that, that's a great point travis and i'll ask uh, johnny about that in the kind of the yeah the evolution in america about sports booking and directing as the as hockey as the nhl has really caught on and, and they're catching up with that so We'll get to that with Johnny Avello in a little bit. But, Travis, let's get to Columbus and Tampa Bay. And I want to play this for you. The words that everyone on Twitter was talking about last night, they came from the mouth of Lightning head coach John Cooper after Tampa's loss that put them down 2-0 to the Blue Jackets. Let's listen. This is a, you know, five-alarm fire. But it's adversity. And I don't know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes you have to go through through stuff like this. We'll see how we respond. All right, Travis, you you buying this? Because it, listen, we remember last year Columbus was up two nothing with Washington. They ended up giving it away. Are, are you feeling that okay? Hey, adversity is a good thing for the Lightning, and they'll bounce back. No, not at all. I think that's uh, <laughs> and again. If I was John Cooper, I'd be saying the same exact thing. It's it's but it's coach speak, right? I think privately, if you could get in the mind of John Cooper. Uh, he would tell you he's very, very, very concerned right now, and and I think he has a reason to be. Look, I, every prognosticator, anyone who made predictions, anyone who watched regular season had a thought about this series, I, no one was saying Columbus is a bad team. I think actually opinion might be that Columbus is quite a good team and much better since the trade deadline um, with all these acquisitions. The, the reason why it is so shocking, though, is because what we perceive to be the gap between Tampa Bay and literally any other team in the league, um, usually it was you know Boston or San Jose or Calgary or Toronto um, vying for that two spot. I mean, Tampa Bay was so much considerably better than them in the regular season, and now they're playing, yeah, Columbus is a very good team, and Columbus is going to give any team challenges. But I, to me, I'm fascinated by the first two games, not because Tampa Bay lost. It's because Columbus looks every bit the part of as good, if not better, than Tampa Bay in these games. And, and that, to me... If you start t- talking about can Columbus really pull this off, 
it's easy to point to two wins and be like, okay, well, they've won twice, so they need to win basically two of the next five games. Those are the easy machinations. But the point that I think is a really important take-home here is forget the goals for just a moment and just watch the flow of play between Tampa Bay and Columbus. By and large, they're trading opportunities and chances. I mean, that to me is insane because I think we would have expected – I think we would have expected two things. Tampa Bay either just runs the table and runs them in five, or um, Tampa Bay dominates the series, but maybe Columbus gets a hot goaltending performance and maybe they stretch the series out and, and it goes six or seven. What we're looking at right now is not just Columbus getting decent goaltending over two games. They're also getting really, really competent play in front of their goaltender, and to me – that's the biggest story here because we've either even more than I thought underrated Columbus. I've been a little higher on Columbus than I think the average person, um, so I'll take a little bit of credit here. But I'll right. also have to give that credit. I'll have, I'll have to give that credit back because I also thought Tampa Bay was that much more better than the second and third best teams in the league. So I'm right a little bit on one side, wrong a little bit on the other, and you know I think I think most people are are, are somewhere in between those, but. Um, that, that, that to me, is, is easily the biggest takeaway the first few, few nights of the NHL playoffs is not that Columbus is up 2-0. It's that Columbus is up 2-0, and it's legitimate. I mean, they're playing with Tampa Bay. Yeah, 5-1. Like, this is... This is crazy, and it, when we we've talked about Columbus a lot with the trade deadline, Travis going up to it and all that, and Tampa Bay, of course. One team we haven't talked a whole lot about because I don't know about you, I wasn't expecting much out of the New York Islanders coming into the the year, but they're up two nothing on the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you think about the Islanders and their chance to to oust the Pens? Yeah, so this is another. Uh, I'm uh, I clearly had missed the mark to some degree on the Islanders. You know, I, again, I've been relatively cool on Pittsburgh because I think defensively they can be a wreck on any given night. Um, they they clearly have top-end talent. Everyone knows the story with Pittsburgh's forwards group, but um, a lot of what tends to drive that bus is, does, does Pittsburgh get anything else after that Crosby-Malkin line, and are they getting decent goaltending? Um, this is not the same Pittsburgh team, though, from even a few years ago, and you know I, I, I thought the series was pretty close to a, a coin flip, and um, you know, I think it's still going to play out that way. But look, the Islanders again have been have been pretty comparable um, to Pittsburgh. Now, granted, the big differentiator here is the Islanders played two games at home in front of an unbelievable crowd at the Coliseum. I mean, the Islanders fans are full credit. Those games are crazy fun, um, and I think it does have an effect. But uh, Pittsburgh's not dead. I mean, we're 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 going back to Pittsburgh for games three and four. Um, Pittsburgh it has been in both of these games. It's not like the Islanders have ran away both times. I would expect that Pittsburgh gets close to evening up this series. Um, maybe they win games three or four. I, you know, even a split would seem okay, but you probably don't want to go back three one back to the Coliseum. I, that seems like a with two games remaining there. That seems like a doomsday scenario. So yeah, pressure is fully on Pittsburgh. It, it's kind of the beauty of a seven game series, right? You've got enough room to have a you know one fatally flawed game, but that, that's kind of it. And you know, Pittsburgh's basically played one solid game, one not solid game in my opinion. And that's it. They've burned it, and now they're down 2-0, and now they've basically got to take game three or four. Or, hey, look, uh, I'm going to be wrong again about the Islanders. Um, and one piece on the Islanders' side, full marks, full marks to Robin Leonard um, and, and, and the Islanders' goaltending team more broadly over the course of the regular season. Uh, they have been as advertised. Robin Leonard has been as advertised. Um, and, and I think that, you know, goaltending is a major driver of, of what really happens in the postseason. But that's, it's also a great equalizer in the series because I think if you watch the two teams, Pittsburgh probably has a marginal edge and maybe territorial control and maybe uh, dangerous chances to some degree. 
Um, not that the Islanders are that far off, but but Robin Leonard is has just completely outplayed uh, Matt Murray, and and to me that that's again that that is a that is a major data point in a playoff series when again we're talking about first to four wins. You get a, you got a good you get a hot goaltender or just a very good goaltender playing well in a short series, you're going to win the series. Yeah, I can make all the difference. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost, he joins us courtesy of the Domino's Pizza delivery line. And folks, you can get as many medium two-topping pizzas as you want for $7.99. That's it, just $7.99. Order two or more, and you can get them for $7.99. Check out all the great deals, delivery, carryout at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Now, Travis, we spoke last week about the Winnipeg Jets, and really for, for all the wrong reasons, entering the playoffs um, and, and really the trend over the last few weeks uh, and, and how, well, how, how dicey and how tough it might be for them. So of these three teams facing a two-game hole in round one, which one is most likely to dig themselves out of it? Tampa, Pittsburgh, or Winnipeg? Who uh, I would, uh, man, this is a tough question. So not Winnipeg, that would be my easy answer. Um, right. Between Tampa and Pittsburgh, um, I, I am going, man, this is tough. Um, Tampa's easily the better team of the two, but I get three home games left in Pittsburgh, and two of which are the next two games coming, and the Islanders, I think, are, Generally, slightly less talented than Columbus. I'm going to say I'm going to say that Pittsburgh has a slightly better chance. Believe it or not, which is crazy. I, I just don't think we can be quick to discount um, how valuable um, Pittsburgh it is for Pittsburgh to go home to games three and four, and the fact that they've played pretty decent in the first two games. Uh, Tampa Bay looks like they are reasonably evenly matched, and I know they're a tremendously more talented team. But you got the Nikita Kucherov suspension looming over game three. Um, you, you've got Tampa Bay, and, and it seems like dire straits. They've got a goaltending issue now. All of a sudden, um, I, it, look, it, I think I think both um, have the have a real shot at getting back in this. But I would lead Pittsburgh. I, Winnipeg, I, you know what? I, I, I gotta say, I'm sorry to say, Winnipeg is as advertised. I, they have been. I, I think of the 16 teams. I think they have been the biggest disappointment. Um, and, but it does not. And this is the part that I think we talked about a couple weeks ago. Please, let's not say that Winnipeg's downfall started in a tough series against St. Louis. This has been an ongoing train wreck for about two months. Yes. If Winnipeg doesn't clean it up very quickly, you have to do something if you're the front office this summer. If they lose in the first round on a base of basically three months of objectively average at best hockey. St. Louis just looks the better team. They're going home now. I think Winnipeg is in real trouble. It looks that way, Travis. And yeah, as as you said, we talked about it, and, and you called it for uh, the last couple of weeks. There, let's finish off here on a positive for a Canadian team. If one game is an indicator of anything, the Calgary Flames should be able to get by the Colorado Avalanche and into round two. That means they'd be playing either the Sharks or the Golden Knights. Currently, Vegas going up against San Jose has that one just has seven games written all over. That, that's going to be a slugfest, I think, all the way to the end. So if we look real early to pencil one team in in the second round already, um, what, are we, what are you thinking as far as uh, San Jose and the Vegas Golden Knights, assuming Calgary gets by? Uh, I, I, I lean Vegas. Um, I, I think I picked Vegas in seven. I expected it to be just a uh, one-punch, return punch, one-punch, return punch the whole series. The amount of skill, I don't know if you saw a game, the amount of skill and speed in that series is just, it's relentless. I mean, you got fourth lines out there that look like they're skating in top six is how good those two teams are. And Calgary looks great, look great too in game one. So, you know, full marks to them too. Um, I, I would lean, it's going to, 
you know, a 51-49 coin flip. I, I like Calgary and Vegas in that second round. But I will say this. If you had to ask me, give me one team that I'm very confident will be in round two um, at the end of this phone call, uh, the answer is going to be St. Louis, uh, not Calgary. I, I actually I, I, I actually would not be surprised to see Colorado stretch that series a little more out than Winnipeg will. So, okay. um, inter- interesting times. I, I do think Calgary gets there. But, again, I, I think – I. I have enough heartburn over the Calgary goaltending situation. They, Mike Smith was great in game one, full marks to him, but um, they, that goaltending team has not nearly showed me enough over the course of the regular season to let them out of the woods just yet. Well, Travis, it is going to be a lot of fun if the first start to the Stanley Cup playoffs is any indication. Enjoy the ride, and we'll talk to you next week, man. Thank you so much. Best day of the sports year. Eight playoff games today. Enjoy it, Andy. You too, buddy. There he goes. And check out all his work, folks. Check out his work on tsn.ca. Travis Yost on Twitter. At Travis Yost. We'll step aside. Talk some Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah, baby. Gus Katsaros, Roto World Analytics columnist, McKean's hockey analyst, Leafs, Bruins, game two tonight. We'll tee it all up next on TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. the meaning behind the numbers and more this is tsn hockey analytics on tsn 1050 the voice of hockey back and rolling here on tsn hockey analytics tsn 1050 tsn 1050.ca the iHeartRadio app we are delivered by Domino's. how about a large four topping pizza for 12.99 how'd you like that for some playoff hockey go get it and check out all the side deals, the marbled cookie brownie for dessert, cheesy bread, delivery carryout specials. Check it all out at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. And you can watch live right now on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Live. Check out this gorgeous TSN 1050 studio here. But let's get to the Maple Leafs, folks. Okay, Leafs, Bruins, all the hand-wringing, everybody nervous in that first game, and the Leafs come out and take care of business. Can they keep it up? Well, let's go to the Domino's Pizza delivery line and ask our next guest, Gus Katsaros from Roto World and McKean's Hockey. Now, Gus, I understand you're, you're back from a, 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 a Cuba vacation. How you feeling, buddy? Uh, you know, it's always short and sweet, but always nice to take a little break before the intensity of the playoffs, you know? Well, and now you're you're back, you're tanned, you're ready to to watch uh, some Maple Leaf hockey. Now, right off the bat on um, on Twitch TV slash Andy Mac Live, we got Toronto Baghead saying, "Do you feel the real Bruins will show up tonight?" Because Gus, when we looked at the Maple Leafs, this was a team. It looked like, hey, they just flipped the switch to what everybody wanted them to do. Freddie Anderson was great. If we look at that game in a bubble, what impressed you the most about the Maple Leafs, and how do you think the Bruins are going to reply tonight? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of similar to the things that we've been harping about all season long. Um, um, there's a little bit of a lack of a physicality. Well, the Leafs showed up that they actually can show some intelligent physicality. Um, they didn't need to bang, smash, and crash. They were uh, pretty much methodical in, in the way that they applied the body. Um, it was a little bit more liberal than we've seen all regular season, which I think was a, a great plus. 
But the biggest thing, I think, was the way that they were able to exit the zone and really try to avoid the Boston forecheck and, and not giving them the opportunity to hem them inside their own zone, similar to kind of what happened last year. Um, and that escapability allowed the Leafs to kind of play a little bit more of their own skating and transition game. And it's clearly showing that Boston is having a lot of trouble with Toronto's transition. And if they can continue to do that, maintain the type of escapability and get away from that forecheck, impose their own style and skill, I think that they'll be just great. And, Gus, before the series started, we had Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy. He noted that his club will try to, to dress a lineup that focuses more on speed as opposed to size or grit, which was what Leaf fans were really worried about with playing the Bruins, getting out-muscled. So when it comes to speed, Leafs are obviously one of the faster teams across the NHL, and they have used it to their advantage through the year, and especially on Thursday. How much do you think Cassidy and his staff should adjust their thinking from a Bruins perspective based on what we saw the Leafs do to his lineup in Game 1? Well, you know, I don't think that it's... I think that every team kind of plays a bit of a speed game. and Some teams play a little bit more... We'll use the word heavy for the lack of a better word. But for the most part, a skating, speedy style of game is what every single NHL team should be striving for. Um, What the Bruins had a problem with is the Leafs' transition. Stopping because the Leafs did something to break their momentum and move back the other way. So it's not necessarily more of a speed game that they need. They need to be able to find a way uh, to not allow the Leafs to break up their own forays into the offensive zone. Um, be better in terms of gaining the zone and do, um, imply more offensive zone pressure. Uh, that's what made them successful last year. It wasn't the lack of a hitting game or, or the effect of a hitting game. Um, it was the effect of, of being smart enough to understand that they needed to have the puck in order to limit the Leafs' ability to, to do what they can do because of that skilled lineup. Um, and that's not what, they're, what they did in game one. And if they continue to go against um, the philosophy that made them successful last year. Um, it might just end up being a short series. They simply can't keep up with the type of transition that the Leafs can. Not necessarily the speed game, but the transition game. Our Hockey Analytics Insider brought to you by 1 in 100. Win killer seats to any Toronto game for less than the cost of a pitcher of beer. Go to 1in100.net, 1in100.net, and check it out. Very cool site. Chatting with Gus Katsaros of McKean's Hockey, of Roto-World, analytics columnist there on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Gus, let's get to Ron Hainsey. Okay? That, that's been, all year, right? Is he too old? Is he going to slow things down? He's been an interesting case study when it comes to minute management. And last season, he looked gassed in the playoffs. This season, Leafs took his usage down by about 100 minutes overall in the regular season. And in Game 1 this year, he didn't appear to be trailing behind everyone. And that seems to be a sign that monitoring his minutes is paying dividends for Toronto. So how much of the Leafs' success as a defensive unit do you feel is tied to Hainsey being able to keep up with his partner, Morgan Riley? Well, I mean, it's good to manage the minutes, and it's also good to manage the situation into which that he plays. But I think that it, from a team perspective, um, Toronto did enough good things to really limit the requirement of Ron Hainsey having to step up and be a, a, a player that I don't really think that people are expecting him to be um, in these playoffs. He is what he is. To me, I feel that he's a lower roster depth defenseman. The fact that he's playing with Riley is a veteran move, which um, is supposed to balance out a little bit of the rushing ability and the offensive uh, skill set of, of Riley's. But I, what I think that the Leafs should really just do is try to limit whatever um, effect or 
that Hainsey's going to have. They'll just keep playing their own game, and I'm not really too concerned about whether or not he's going to be able to step up or, or players are going to dance. So it is going to be what it is, but I think from a strategical perspective, a team-level game is going to be more effective than anything affecting Ron Hainsey specifically. In conversation with Gus Katsaros, Roto World Analytics columnist on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, Cats with a K. Gus, what can you point to as the biggest difference between this Maple Leafs group last year against Boston compared to right now? Because when we see the, the, the Maple Leafs, when they see them holding a lead, it seems like maybe there's, there's some maturity in this young roster. And Mike Babcock would say they're a year older. And, and you add uh, Tavares, you add Muzzin. So w- what kind of style-wise and overall to you is the biggest difference after game one? Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that the Leafs aren't playing the same type of style that they did last year. Last year, they just tried to use pure skill and try to dance around the Bruins. The Bruins did a much better job of getting to loose bucks, better second efforts, um, limiting Toronto to have the ability to, to play their type of game. Um, and they were always better with second efforts and really much, much better along the boards. What the Leafs did now um, is they've limited a lot of the board work. They've taken a lot of the game to the inside of the arena, or sorry, to the inside of the skating rink, uh, which kind of plays to their own forte, to their speed and transition game. Um, there's lots of things that I think have changed dramatically. We can kind of go a lot. Of, um, but some very obvious things, for instance, the, the inclusion of JBR and um, um, how John Tavares has kind of changed that dynamic. JBR was a great net front presence, and we all know his goal-scoring abilities there. But Tavares can somehow replicate that, but also offers a rushing ability. So again, it plays the Toronto skill set. So they've kind of further refined the ability to play that transition and goal scoring game. We've seen it all season long with Marner and Tavares. Um, so the Leafs have done a much better job in the first game of, of getting to loose pucks, getting, um, getting the ability to, to play their own style rather than forcing allowing Boston to force them to, to, to play a style that they really weren't accustomed to. The first two or three games in, la, in last spring, Boston's ability to apply the pressure and the offensive pressure and all that led to a lot of penalties, which essentially killed the Leafs' chances. This year, we didn't see any of that in Game 1. If the Leafs continue to do that, um, I think that they'll be okay the rest of the series. So, Gus, we saw the Bergeron line was limited. The Maple Leafs were able to to keep them in check. What's the likelihood that continues? Because again, for Leaf fans, it was, you're going to be out-muscled, their Bruins are going to be tougher, and the, the, the specter, the boogeyman that is the Bergeron line, held in check. Likelihood in your mind that they can do it again Saturday night? Well, that's good. I mean, that's you kind of have to build off the positives of Game 1. You hope that they kind of stay off the board. Bergeron ultimately scored their uh, their first goal, and even though it was up on the power play, it's still it's the first line if you really want to consider that. So the reality here is as long as they are able to keep them in check, I mean, that first line had plenty of chances. It was just a matter of the combination of Freddie Anderson played effectively well. Um, they kind of limited their chances, but not necessarily to the same degree Um, um well, I guess you could say that they limited Boston's to a greater degree than they were able to last season. Um, the effect has been that that line was pretty quiet in game one. Um, to be able to do that over an entire series, it takes something very special, and it doesn't take just one player like we were focusing on Ron Hainsey earlier. It's going to take a team effort to be able to say whoever's on the ice has to be able to limit these opportunities. Um, they seem to have the Muzzin pair against uh, Bergeron's line, so it looks like they have their defensive tactics um, already set out. So the forwards, as long as they're able to apply enough pressure and perhaps hold on to the puck a little bit longer and not give that first line the ability to score some goals, 
um, then I think that they were able to contain them over the course of the season. Uh, sorry, the, over the course of the series. Uh, it's a pretty talented and a very effective first line, though, so it's going to be a tall order to try to keep them off the scoreboard for a full seven games should the series go that long. Last one for you here, Gus. From before the series started, end of the regular season, teeing this up, after game one, has your outlook changed on the rest of the series through one game for the Maple Leafs? Has a prediction changed? A confidence level in the Maple Leafs changed? Has anything really differed after that one game? Absolutely. I mean, going into the season, going into the playoffs, they were just not effectively executing very well. Um, you could see that they were trying to experiment or, or, or at least come up to a consensus type of style that they wanted to play in the playoffs. There was a lot of leaky goaltending. Defense was still questionable. And then they come out in game one and they play an effective, absolutely methodical, perfect game. The hiccups that they endured uh, didn't necessarily lead to goals. Again, uh, a case for Anderson. But, I mean, I predicted the Bruins would beat the Leafs in six. And if the series kind of goes the way that we saw in game one, it could eventually essentially be the Leafs in six at this point. We, I think that I gave them more the benefit of the doubt, having seen what they're capable of producing in one game sample, um, to say that, yeah, it changes my mind. I think that the Leafs can eventually turn around and beat them. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it continues tonight. In Boston, Game 2, Leafs versus Bruins. Uh, Gus, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Pleasure is always mine. Enjoy the game, Leafs Nation. There he goes. Enjoy the game, Leafs Nation. Yes. Gus Kitsaros, Rotor World Analytics columnist, McKean's Hockey Analyst. We'll step aside. A day oneer of TSN Hockey Analytics. Now in our fifth season, he's coming back, baby. Scott Cullen from The Athletic, The Hockey News, NHL.com. Cully joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. I'm back, and I'm better than ever. Got a net for making things better. Oh, there you go, baby. He is back. Joining me. On the Domino's Pizza delivery line in just a second, Scott Cullen, a day oneer here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can watch live from the TSN Toronto studio on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Live. Always love it when our guy Scott Cullen comes back doing tremendous work for The Athletic, for The Hockey News, for NHL.com. He is everywhere. Scotty, welcome home, sir. How you doing, Andy? I am doing well, my friend. It is always a pleasure. And you know what? Let's get we'll we'll do a quick hitter here and then get into some some storylines. But I want a, a stock up and a stock down player so far through the playoffs and and looking ahead. Can you give me a stock up? Stock up. You know, let's start with Jordan Eberle. He uh, didn't have a great season this year for uh, the Islanders. Thirty seven points in seventy eight games, and as a pending free agent. Uh, I guess he could look to the playoffs as a chance to sort of uh, reestablish his value. Um, and, and so first couple of games against Pittsburgh, uh, he has two goals and two assists, which is great, eight shots on goal. Um, and the, the Islanders have almost 74% of the scoring chances uh, with Everly on the ice through the first two games. And, and just, you know, in addition to all those numbers, if you've watched any of those games, Everly is dangerous, and, and you're seeing him involved in a lot of, uh, a lot of the Islanders' offense. And so uh, through... Uh, just two games, uh, Jordan Eberle definitely has stock up. Okay, and stock down. Who's, who's disappointing you a little bit, Scotty? 
You know what? I'm going with Jordan Stahl, and I know he's played one game, so I don't want to put too much on him here. But one of the things, one of the reasons you might think that the the Hurricanes have a chance to upset um, the Capitals is because they dominated both shot attempts and scoring chances all year long, right? And expected goals, like basically every metric you want, the Hurricanes were really strong, and the leader in that regard was Jordan Stahl. Like, he missed a bunch of time due to a concussion, but he was like the best possession player in the league this year. And so when he goes out there in game one, and instead of uh, being 60% plus, he's at like 43%, and on the ice for all four goals against, well, you know, you end up with a fairly predictable result. And, and you know, if you're Carolina, you look to – uh, expect that that won't be the way it goes for the rest of the series. And so if Stahl comes back and gives you more typical performance, you know, maybe Carolina has a chance to get back in it. Stock up, stock down, brought to you by Fanshare Sports. And hey, it's Stanley Cup playoffs, but it's also Masters weekend, folks. And Fanshare Sports can help you build your winning fantasy golf lineup. Fanshare Sports saves precious research time by linking you to a wide range of fantasy golf content from across the industry by tracking industry buzz and sentiment. Only Fanshare Pro gives you the data you need to win. Go to FanshareSports.com today to see who's getting the buzz in the final couple days at Augusta. All right, Scotty, let's get to the Columbus Blue Jackets, man. Like, this is... <laughs> this, this is this is getting a little crazy here. So it's two nothing. They're up on Tampa Bay, who look like the immovable object, the unstoppable force. But we've been here before, where Columbus was leading Washington two nothing a year ago. From their play, from how they're built and rolling, nine one and zero in their last ten home games. Is there anything showing you that a similar collapse could happen to a season ago? Well, I mean, they they could certainly lose because they're playing the team that's been the best team in the league this year. Like, it, it, you don't want to, uh, you know, count your chickens here if you're Columbus and say, "Oh, we're up to nothing." There's no way this could go wrong, um, because Tampa Bay could could very well storm back just the way uh, Washington stormed back last year. But um, my take coming into the playoffs was Columbus was not a great matchup for for Tampa Bay, uh, not a great reward for a team that was far and away the best team in the league this year. You know, Columbus comes in as the eighth seed, but basically as an underachieving eighth seed. You know, the, the talent on that roster, particularly after they had uh, Duchesne and Zingle at the at the trade deadline, that's better than an eighth seed in, in terms of the talent on that team. And and so I think they've they sort of found that out in the in the first couple of games. And on, on top of that, like if I'm uh, Tampa Bay, I'd be worried a that Victor Hedman wasn't healthy at the end of the regular season and hasn't looked great in the first couple of games, uh, and you know, pair that with you know Nikita Kucherov possibly facing uh, supplemental discipline for his, his hit late in game two, and it's not looking great for the Lightning now. You know, like I say, they have tons of talent and could overcome all this, but Columbus, um, you know, has has I, I don't want to say uh, gritted their way to it because they have tons of skilled guys, but Columbus. Uh, that's kind of what they did last year uh, to Washington for those first couple games. Is they kind of uh, met the Capitals physically uh, and and created enough chances. And, and honestly, like they were up two games to none and in double overtime of, of game three, like they were that close to really having the, the Capitals on the ropes. And then the Capitals went on to win the cup. And so, like Columbus obviously isn't going to take anything for granted and, and, and shouldn't against Tampa Bay. But you know the the way the the snowball is going, it's really heading downhill against Tampa Bay at the moment. In conversation with Scott Cullen from the Athletic Hockey News, NHL.com, on Twitter, at by Scott Cullen. So, Scotty, starting uh, before the playoffs, just before your first round probabilities had the Carolina Hurricanes as a 51% chance of beating the defending champion Capitals. Now, Washington started strong, right? They took game one, quick three-goal first period. 
Caroline has become a favorite of the analytics community, maybe not of a, a certain uh, uh, gray-haired analyst, but, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's fine. Uh, and many without really a rooting interest um, have jumped on the Hurricanes bandwagon. What sort of response do you expect from Carolina going into Game 2? Well, here's, here's the thing is that um, Carolina, like I said uh, before, right, they, they have these great numbers in terms of shot differentials and expected goals, and, um, and you could look at them being every bit the equal of Washington, but the, the kind of flying the ointment for, for Carolina really for years has been percentages. They've been a low-shooting percentage team for a long time. For the first half of this year, they were historically bad, like the worst team in, in a decade uh, in terms of shooting percentage. Well, that turned around in the second half of the year, and they were like a top-10 team for the rest of the way. And, and that's the version that, you know, if you're Carolina and you say, well, that's what we are now. We're this team that, you know, at least finishes at a, uh, a, an above-average rate. You compare that, you combine that with a, a team that's out shooting and out chancing the opposition. Well, you know the good results are going to come. Uh, the the issue, I guess, for Carolina is that Washington has already established that they're that team that finishes at above average rate. They're the best shooting percentage team over the past three years by by a pretty comfortable margin. And so, if uh, Washington is going to continue that way and and Carolina outshoots them but isn't finishing at uh, a sufficient rate, well, then, you know, then, then they're going to fall flat. But I, I do think that, it, you know, if, if you're going to outshoot and outchance, you're giving yourself the best opportunity. And, and I think that, you know, I'm not ready to write them off because of uh, a disappointing game one. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens uh, in game two. I think they, they'd like Peter Morazic to be a little bit better in net because he played really well down the stretch too. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I, I know Carolina is obviously we're uh, we're all pro Eric Telsky here in the analytics community, but I, I think that they've uh, they've got the underlying numbers that kind of back it up. And so you know we'll we'll see if they can uh, turn it around. But I think they have they have the horses to do it. Scotty, when we look, there are four teams total with a chance to even their round one series today with a win in Game 2. So we just talked about the Hurricanes. you got the Predators who trail the Stars, Boston hosting the Maple Leafs, and the Avs who are underdogs against the Flames. Which of those four trailing teams needs the win most, in your mind, in Game 2 tonight? I think Boston. Hmm. Um, it, well, only, only because of expectations, I, I would say. Like, I mean, yes, Colorado right. really needs to even their series against Calgary, but I don't think anybody has... Um, you know, or it wouldn't be considered a real disappointment for Colorado if they lost this series to Calgary. They, they're sort of playing with house money there in Colorado. But if Boston loses their first two games at home and has to come to Toronto, uh, I think that you know that puts them in a really tough spot. I mean, this is this is a very tough series. Like I think you know between the San Jose Vegas series and the Toronto Boston series, you've got kind of, those are two of the most competitive in the first round. And if Toronto ends up taking the first two in Boston, uh, that leaves the, the Bruins in, in a pretty tough spot. And I think. What they saw in Game One from Toronto, um, you know, might cause a little bit of concern. I think it, you know, if Toronto had won and, and it looked like oh, they, they got a few bounces and, and maybe they lucked their way into it, Boston would feel a little bit better than they do right now, where Toronto just outskated them and outchanced them and uh, kind of put them on their heels. And, and so, if that happens again, um, you know, the Bruins might be reeling a little bit. 
That'll be so interesting, Scotty. After all the after all, <laughs> after all, all the this expectations, hype, eh? <laughs> after all this hype about the Bruins and, and, and the Maple Leaf fans all nervous, boy, I can't wait to game two. Uh, but overall, Canadian NHL clubs have had a relatively successful start to the playoffs. Toronto and Calgary, both impressive wins in games one. And uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who they're continuing struggling as they did entering the playoffs. Uh, and they're down 2 nothing to the Blues. Of these three teams, which do you like the most to have the longest playoff run? Um, well, I, I suppose I'm going to say Toronto, and and I mean this probably comes because I, I think you know Win- Winnipeg. Uh, I didn't love their matchup in the first place with St. Louis, like a, a because Winnipeg hadn't been playing well for the second half of the season, and St. Louis obviously had. Uh, so you kind of have two teams on different tra- trajectories there. Uh, and then in, in Calgary's case, like I like Calgary to to take care of business against Colorado, but their second round. Um, you know, if you end up with either Vegas or San Jose, I think that's a really tough matchup. Um, and so, uh, you know, not that, you know, Toronto has an easy one if, if Tampa Bay makes their way through, but if you end up playing, you know, Columbus, well, that's, that's maybe not quite as impossible. Uh, and so I, I guess, you know, slight optimism here that you, you would say if Toronto can, uh, can get by Boston and, and maybe Columbus takes care of uh, Tampa Bay, that maybe opens things up. And, you know, you can think back to uh, the last time a Canadian team won the Cup in 1993 um, when the Islanders knocked off the Penguins, right? The Penguins were the powerhouse team that, that no one was going to be able to get past, but then the Islanders upset them, and that opened the door for the Canadians to, you know, go along, beat the Islanders and on their way to uh, uh, the Stanley Cup. And so may- maybe that kind of path uh, can work out for the Maple Leafs this year. I still blame Gretzky and Kerry Frazier for that high stand. I, I'm still bitter, Scott. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I won't eat at, at Gretzky's restaurant because of it. I'm still bitter. Sorry. That's healthy, Andy. It's best to cling to those things for a long time. <laughs> it's only been... <laughs> <laughs> Only been 20-something years, right? Sure. Why not? Uh, Scotty, tell people where they can find your work. You are everywhere, man. The Athletic Hockey News, NHL.com. Tell, tell people what you're working on, where they can find you. That's right. Uh, I'm doing uh, behind the numbers uh, for NHL.com and uh, been doing some playoff fantasy stuff for the Hockey News. Those are kind of the most prominent spots. Uh, you'll also uh, catch me doing some stuff for Monkey Knife Fight, our, our favorite uh, sports prop betting site. That's right. And, uh, and so... You know, I, I'm, I'm I'm staying active, and you can always find me on on Twitter at by Scott Cullen, uh, and that's probably the best way to uh, get a hold of me and keep track of where my my latest articles are being posted. Always tremendous insight and content, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, as always, welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thanks so much, Andy. There we go, Scott Cullen. As he said, at by Scott Cullen. After the break, you want to try to win some money on these playoffs? Huh? Want, want, some, want some tips? Want some betting tips on the Stanley Cup playoffs? Got you covered. Director of the DraftKings Sportsbook, Johnny Avello, joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Hmm. 
this is a you know five alarm fire but it's adversity and i don't know sometimes that's good Back to wrap things up on another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050 Toronto, the iHeartRadio app. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. And watch and follow along on Twitch as well, folks. Go to twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. You can watch the show live. Watch all the other content I got going on there. Just click follow, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. Live and we are delivered by Domino's. Go get yourself a large four-topping pizza for just twelve ninety-nine. The marbled cookie brownie for dessert, cheesy bread, all the side dishes, all the carryout and delivery deals at Domino's.ca. That is Domino's.ca. Joining me now on the Domino's Pizza delivery line from DraftKings.com, their sports book director Johnny Avello. Johnny, how's it going, man? Going really well, thanks. I uh, hope things are well up north. They are. Hey, Stanley Cup playoffs. Life is good. Leafs coming off of a win against Boston, right? So everybody's happy. But let's get into some of the, the, the trends here, Johnny. And um, I want to pick your brain a little bit about this because Tampa Bay Lightning were the odds-on favorite from the DraftKings Sportsbook to win the Stanley Cup at plus 200. Now, after game one, so we're not talking the rest of the series, but after game one, their loss to Columbus, did you see any notice, noticeable swing away from Tampa Bay, some overreaction maybe? Well, you know, Tampa Bay's been knocking on the door now for a couple of years, so their odds have never been high. But this is the lowest I've really seen uh, entering the, the you know beginning of the Stanley Cup, but uh, you know the, the try to up early on, and uh, you know right now we, there was been some adjustments on them from us, the bookmaker, one that are closer to three to one. Um, so we made a we made a couple of you know uh, changes, but they're a huge favorite, and there's where the adjustment really occurred. And, and just in general, the when it comes to placing bets, the general public in a series, whether it's basketball, whether it's hockey, whatever, um, do you generally see the public react one way or another to a single game early on in a series? I do, um, especially, and we're we're talking about two games that I actually see the public reacting. This, the one we just spoke about was Tampa Bay, you know, being a bigger favorite, and and then the other game is Boston against, uh, you know, it was Boston uh, that they would win last night, and it didn't happen, and so adjustment comes where the players are going to overreact and bet Boston again. So that they're the two games that kind of stick out to me right now. In conversation with Johnny Avello, Draft King Sportsbook Director. And let's go over to the underdog or dark horse angle, right? That's where people like to, to, to lay the cash. It's where you can make some big money. Uh, what underdog or dark horse team has gained some steam from betters the week leading up to the Stanley Cup playoffs? Who, who is kind of getting a little momentum going into the start of the postseason? Well, the Blues finished the season real well, you know, 8-1-1 in their last 10. Uh, and so they actually took quite a bit of money on the future book. Uh, they're, they're currently at 13 to one, but you could have got them at a much bigger price. The team that's you know being talked about right now is maybe making a run. Interesting. And, and opposite that, what team has the the public started to shy away from or cooled down on leading into the playoffs? Because you know we talked about Tampa Bay being the favorite, and you made a mention there of an underdog. But who was kind of a little bit hot that the public maybe reared back on placing money down on? 
You know, this is going to sound strange to you, but the team was actually Colorado. Huh. Um, and I t- they finished the season. Oh, um, but, you know, the feelings were that they would not get by the Flames here. Uh, and that may be the case so far. I mean, that's the way it looks to me. But they, were, they weren't taking any money on the future book. They didn't take any money on the series. So um, I guess that's a team that was, I wouldn't call it cooled down. It's just that the public wasn't interested. <laughs> they just weren't interested. Well, speaking of that, where do the Maple Leafs rank as far as the most bet on teams during the regular season, popularity-wise, people laying some coin down on Toronto? Well, you know, when you look, you have to realize that the markets that we're in, DraftKings, you know, we're in New Jersey mm-hmm. and we're in, uh, you know, Mississippi. So Mississippi's not a big hockey uh, state, but right. certainly New Jersey is. So a lot of our money's, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of our money on those East Coast teams, the Capitals, the Islanders, you know, the Penguins, Flyers, Rangers, Islanders. I, I would put the, uh, the Leafs probably in the middle of the pack. But let's face it, you know, Fans are fickle, and when you know when the when the team's going well, they're on them, and when they're not going so well, they're against them. And when they can't figure them out, they just don't play it. <laughs> right, <laughs> a la Colorado, yes. Uh, in conversation with Johnny yes. Avello from the DraftKings Sportsbook, their director. So, speaking of the Leafs, what are the odds now for the Leafs to beat the Bruins in their first round series, up one nothing in their best of seven? Well, the Leafs opened up, uh, you know. Uh, 125 dog, which is bet 100 to win 125 to get back a total of 225. And now the, the favorites at minus 160. Mm. Uh, I think a win by the Bruins tonight, and uh, uh, you know, not tonight, but tomorrow night, if that's, if that's actually going to happen, then you're going to see this series probably shift to, uh, I would say, a pick em. But with Toronto went from the underdog to the favorite and a win by Boston you know, and tie it up 1-1, I think, would be a pick going back to Toronto. But uh, now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Johnny, a, a big picture look here. So we've seen sabermetrics, advanced stats impact how people bet on and play fantasy when it comes to Major League Baseball. That's been going on and growing and growing and growing for a number of years. But with the analytic, analytics information surging over the past few years, which is the genesis of this show, now in Season 5, in the NHL, and growing interest from the NHL on player and puck tracking, what effect do you feel that extra info going to, to bettors? What do you feel could be the impact when it comes to betting on hockey in the future? Well, first of all, I think hockey's in a good place right now. And I'm glad, you know, I'm happy to say that because... There, you know, going back to 93 or so, there were a couple of strikes along the way. Hockey had a lot of momentum and lost it. It lost it twice. Uh, and now I feel that, you know, betting at, on hockey is at its highest point, especially with, you know, sports betting growing in the U.S. Um, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of information for a bookmaker, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it helps us make a stronger line. Uh, it helps the player and, and their betting patterns. And I think a lot of it's helpful, and I think some of them maybe so not so much. You know, maybe um, you know the puck tracking. Not nah, not so sure about puck tracking, but there's a lot of information out there that can help you be a better handicapper. Well, I think that's a great point that you make because we focus on okay, how could it benefit people laying money down, the actual betting public, but it also helps the bookmakers, right? Like more information, the better, and then you can kind of decipher what is useful and what isn't for you. Correct. Our lines are stronger because of it. The handicapper is stronger because of it. So, uh, 
you know, I, I think it's probably a, it's an even plane. What the bookmaker has going for him is the juice or the vigorish. I'm not a handicapper. I've never considered myself a handicapper. I'm just a good line maker, and that's mm. what you do. You you know, you put up a line, you let people bet, and, and the vigorous and juice works for the house. That's it. And that's it. Beautiful. Johnny, this has been very insightful, man. Thank you so much, and enjoy the rest of the playoffs. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, I'm going to enjoy him. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. And there he is, Johnny Avello, director of the DraftKings Sports Book. Getting a little info on some of the favorites. Interesting that Colorado really lost lost steam. And, you know, can you blame people? Not a lot. Not necessarily a lot of confidence you want to be putting on, on the avalanche with the, the up and down season that they had. So that'll do it, folks. Thank you so much to all of our guests appearing on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. I'm Andy McNamara for producer Sean Lavery. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto.